Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Welcome to another Manalog episode. Um, I've been meditating now on a very regular basis for about, I'd say, seven years. So many, many hundreds of hours of meditating, yet I still feel like a novice um, in the process, and I'm completely okay with that. But I have meditated enough and tried various modalities to at least have some informed opinions on the importance of meditation in these contemporary times. It's unique that a concept that is thousands and thousands of years old um, may be one of the main keys to having a joyful life in this time that we live in. Um, But there's, I noticed a lot of, I'd say misconceptions about meditation or mindfulness. Um, One is that it's a spiritual practice, and it can be, and I'm going to talk about that, but it's not all necessarily spiritual. A lot of it is with the neuroscience uh, behind it now, the the, the evidence of how meditation uh, influences changing your neural pathways, as an example. Um, One of the big ones that I see as a misconception is that meditation is to change the way that you feel or think. And I'll come back to that one as well, but I don't believe that's what it's for. Now, when you consider meditation in these modern times, um, it, it really its goal is to be a higher functioning human. Um, and a higher functioning human, that shows up in our work, our career, or if we're an entrepreneur. It shows up in how we treat ourselves. It shows up in our, in our, with our partners shows up with our kids, shows up in our communities, you know, et cetera. And so it is a, it's a universally beneficial practice because it, it, the people all around you benefit from the work that you do with, with meditation. Um, and so there's, you know, many, many modalities, uh, but I consider meditation to be roughly divided into two paths. And path one is about calm, being calm. And there's actually an app called Calm. That, that's, it's a meditation app. And this is about um, essentially getting out of reactive mode. It's learning how to be a witness to your thoughts, of, thoughts and feelings rather than observe them. Um, it is about understanding that there is a part of us that, I sometimes refer to it as just an inner stillness. There's a place within each of us that is un, uh, unruffled by external conditions or circumstances. Uh, Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, talked about that. So did John uh, Stockdale, Admiral Stockdale, who was the highest ranking POW in the Vietnam War. Um, and many others talk about this inner stillness that comes through calming yourself. We can see of all of life and screen time and demands of our time and the need to make money and, you know, to live our, live our best life, air quote, um, that pressure on us um, creates this like murkiness and muddiness that, um, that, that dis- distorts our perception of reality. It's exhausting as well. So being calm 
the ability to be calm has you know enormous benefits and that's why not coincidentally that special forces um high risk jobs uh sports most of them now have some sort of meditation component related to calmness if you recall the uh college football national championship with um the quarterback from Michigan uh, before the game, there was a clip of him sitting by the goalposts, meditating, getting calm, getting centered. Um, and so you can see where that, that practicality is. Another element of being calm of, of, of that path of calmness is mastery over your own thoughts and emotions and something that Virginia teaches in her new intersectional leader coaching executive coaching program is about ego mastery. And there's a, there's an element of this that's kind of similar to the process of becoming calm and centered. Um, and in that case, it's because if you, if you do not know how to manage your biggest emotions, they will be used to control you either by your own mind or by others. And so learning to be calm is also a way to protect your own autonomy and sovereignty and to own your yeses and nos, um, to establish boundaries, to know what you want, to have a clearer sense of self. Um, it gives you a platform for curiosity. And I've noticed that it mostly involves seeing. There's a lot of, in this sort of calmness path, seeing envisioning so either literally looking at something if you're doing like that fixed point style or envisioning something or even just witnessing thoughts and feelings um kind of on a whiteboard or in a sticks in a river as some some methodologies are all of those are really just designed to show us that we are not our thoughts and feelings and and that therefore thoughts and feelings do not control us um, and by creating that separation, we get to do the things that only really humans can do is we get to choose our behavior and she or he who chooses his be their behavior is the one that has the actual, um, you know, leadership, um, acumen as it were. Okay. So there's another part of meditation that is. I think way less known, especially in the Western world. And this is, um, I would call it contemplative meditation, but it's m even more than that. And it's the path of insight. Now, interestingly, there is also an app called Insight that comes from um, Jack Cornfield and some others that are in teaching like Buddhist principles. Um, and it's called Insight. The insight is a very different intention. And this is the spiritual part of it. So I think we can all do this. It's whether or not we want to. Because it, it takes a level of humility, some faith, um, patience to practice meditation through the path of insight. So up until you know, actually fairly recently, um, maybe six, 700 years ago, almost every culture, I think every culture, indigenous culture had this general idea that there is a, another dimension, another kind of, um, realm, if you were 
and it had been given all kinds of names and every every religion, every um, indigenous culture, practice, all that. They all had different names, but it was kind of the same idea um, that there was this sort of, yeah, like I said, like a different realm. Um, and the, this, the, this is one of those things where, you know, with, with, with the path of calm, med- we can prove that meditation or at least have lots of good data through real research that that kind of meditation actually does change your neural pathways. Science can't prove insight meditation, mostly. But when you look at people that have had near-death experiences or, um, or especially people that come from agnostic or atheistic backgrounds and they're very scientific and then they have a near-death experience and they report that there's a different realm or different element of life that we can't see with our conscious mind. So I like to envision this as sort of a, a band of wisdom, almost encircling the earth. It's like a layer of wisdom and it's ancient, ancient wisdom, timeless, priceless wisdom. And it's here where you have virtues like love and empathy and courage. And to get insight, you have to be quiet. You can, you can meditate in almost any circumstance. And so the quiet is different than even witnessing, like in the calm path of meditation. It's listening. You're listening. There's a great book called Writing Down Your Soul that I still use elements of it um, less than I used to because I've evolved. But I highly recommend checking it out as a kind of a method for listening, uh, a meditation practice of listening. Um, the other aspect of this is, well, what are you listening for? Um, what kind of insight do you want? Um, and this is where there's an opportunity to sort of put questions out to the, this, this realm, to the universe, whatever you want to call it. And it could be, who am I? Who am I really? Um, what am I here to do? What do I want? Um, questions like that. Um, and when we get insight through this kind of meditation, it syncs up with our intuition. So calmness path is really about managing our instincts because instincts are really there to keep us alive. Insight meditation is um, about kind of the opposite of that, um, about listening to or honoring our intuition and noting that our intuition seems to be connected naturally to this realm that I'm referring to. And I think this is the place where, the, where mystics play that they have this that kind of knowing and you can see this with like little children sometimes that old soul and and there's this 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 place of wisdom to access that when we do it our body says yeah that's right and our soul says yeah that's right um and i don't know a lot of people honestly that meditate that way that meditate as a true spiritual insight practice I imagine 
that people that are really trying to elevate their consciousness, um, you know, it, it not just to kind of function in the world, but actually change things in the world, they probably do that more than, than others. Um, and I think this is the one that would be closest to prayer, not prayer the way we think of prayer now with like rituals and things, but like petitions, uh, questions, uh, requests, whatever. Um, and again, I think that's why many people are uncomfortable because people that are very religious don't like meditation and they think Buddhism is from the devil and the super religious think that. On the other hand, you have your more secular people that would sound, they'll say, well, that sounds too woo-woo. And my thing is, the same as with calm, calm, the calm path, is try it. What would it hurt to just listen? You may hear nothing, um, which means it's not that nothing is being said, is that you're not listening enough. And so you just get more and more still and quieter and quieter. And then you'll start to hear something. I almost guarantee it. If you want to add an additional thing to this is to use something that Thomas Keating, who was a Catholic priest, developed called the contemplative prayer. Now, he wasn't the, he didn't invent it, but he, that's, he kind of created this framework. And so I often do this is I'll sit in this more spiritual meditation practice and I'll listen and I'll hear a word. And then I'll just start journaling about it. And I call that a centering word. And I just write down thoughts, ideas, and um, about what that might mean. And that's a form of listening, like sitting in class almost. And there's this like really juicy wisdom that comes out of that that I didn't create. It didn't come from my database. You know, uh, it wasn't, it was, it was a download, if you will. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that you try one or both of those if you're not doing either. Um, Neither one is right or wrong or first or second. It really goes back to intention. What are you trying to accomplish? And if you're trying to function in society as it is now, you need to be calm. If you're trying to change society, create systemic change, you need the spiritual insight and you need to be calm. Um, you don't really need spiritual insight to be a functioning a contemporary adult, but you definitely need spiritual insight if you feel called to create change in the world. If I can support you in any way, reach out and thank you for listening.